0: Radio begins in three, two, one. I don't
1: know. I mean, I don't know if there is or not. I don't know if there's a black and white answer. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how. Give us some men who know the truth and who will declare the truth. And who will stand with Athanasius and Polycarp and Calvin and Luther and Whitfield and Edwards and who will declare from the housetops that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation?
0: It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
2: Admit it. You'd love it if your preacher preached better. Hold on. This is not going to work. Technical. Where where are the people who are reigning? I'm supposed to be talking to Stephen J. Lawson and there's a man that I'm looking at through the internet machine who doesn't have a tie on. What happened to Steve (laughs) Lawson? Where's my Steve Lawson? What is going on there in Dallas, Texas? You know, I I repent. I repent. I put on. (laughs) Do you remember you and I went to a church and you and you you went in you went in your pastor's uniform. Yeah. With your Brooks brothers and the tie and everything. Oh yeah, and in the parking lot, because the <laughs> elders were urging you, "Hey, a little bit more casual." You took off your tie, and it haunts you to this day, doesn't it?
1: It does. It really does. And um, never again shall I uh, be on the slippery slope and succumb to
2: socialism. See, it's it. It is just a matter of time. That is it why is. evangelical Christianity is where it is. The necktie. <laughs> <laughs> Blessed be the tie that binds. Okie dokie. That's my Steve Lawson right there. There it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like how you tied that together. Ha! <laughs> I <laughs> not. <laughs> <laughs> you know who we're amusing merely ourselves, Dr. Stephen J. Lawson. He, of course, is Mr. One Passion Ministries, and that passion happens to be preaching. And if you would love it, if your preacher perhaps preached even better, see what I did there, Steve, even better. Hey, have we got a deal for you. You are holding two conferences to help preachers preach more effectively. Uh, These are the One Passion conferences. There are two in August. One is in Washington, D.C. You might need a special passport to get into that region at the rate we're (laughs) going. And the second one is going to be in Oklahoma City. That's in Oklahoma. I Googled it myself. If you would like for your pastor to go to a conference led by Dr. Stephen J. Lawson, who, you still doing that thing at that uh, master seminary with the preaching business? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, I'm professor of preaching. I teach
1: first, second and third year preaching. And then I'm over the doctor ministry program for expository preaching. So that that's basically what I do uh, a lot
2: of my time. That, that, and, that is the air you breathe. And don't tell Steve Lawson I said this, but I got to tell you, wow, the impact. The pulpits are key for the health of the church. Jesus is building his church, but the longevity of the church, it depends on what happens in the pulpit. And I got to tell you, Steve, even though you didn't wear a tie for me today and I put one on for you, I am not bitter. I'm grateful that you spend so much energy traveling around the country trying to equip pastors to preach even better than they do. So if people want their pastors to go or pastor, if you would like to attend one of these conferences, I encourage you, plead with you. You will get something out of this. Onepassion.org. Here's the deal. If you go to the registration, you'll get a discount if you use the keyword wretched. That's W-R-E-T-C-H-E-D. It's not what a cat does. It's a theological term. Paul used it. So did John Newton. Use the keyword wretched. And you get... $48.01 $48.01 off of registration. Why that peculiar number, Dr. Lawson?
1: Well, because we want it to be $99.99. And so this is the deal of the century, seriously. No, it is um, a good deal. Yeah, it, it is. And uh, if you were in my seminary classroom, you would be paying times 10 uh, to be sitting in my classroom and to receive the very same information. And Todd, I'll tell you, what we're going to be covering is material I've never taught before. It's how to improve your preaching. So we're going to talk about better introductions, better exposition of Scripture, better outlines, better application, better exhortation, better conclusions, uh, better everything. So this is going to get down into the nuts and bolts, uh, not philosophically, but practically, uh, of how to take your preaching to the next level. And any preacher worth his salt wants to get to the next level. He, he cannot be content with where he is. And if you're standing still, in reality, you're going backwards. So you've got to always be striding forward uh, to excel still more. So that's what this conference is all about, Todd. Um, it's really it covers three days. So it's really two days of teaching uh, from noon on Monday until noon on Wednesday. Uh, eight one-hour teaching sessions that, that I'll give, plus three or four Q&A sessions.
2: 99 and you- bucks. I'm not kidding. Now, look, $99, it's not chicken feed, although that's probably even more expensive these days. This is even, Steve, even if the contents were crummy, this is a good deal. <laughs> that's This is a phenomenal deal, I'm telling you.
1: And I have been focused on this subject of training men to preach the Word of God uh, pretty strong now for over a decade. And I have amassed, I, I think, a pretty deep well of, of information and, and uh, uh, advice to give. I, I've written books on the preaching of Martin Luther and John Calvin and Jonathan Edwards and John Knox. And. Spurgeon and Whitfield and Lloyd-Jones. And and so I'm just drawing from all of this vast uh, exposure I have had uh, to great preaching today, as well as great preaching down through the centuries.
2: Yeah, and you yourself, you've preached over a dozen different sermons, have you not? (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah in, in, in like one week. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> if you would like to register your pastor or pastor, if you would like to register, I know that Dr. Lawson would love to see you. You will be nourished. You will be equipped to preach even better. This is the future of the church. Go to onepassion.org. Type in the keyword wretched. You're going to save a lot furthermore we'll send you a copy of drive by theology featuring dr stephen j lawson this this is better than the ginsu knife business on the tv all right dr lawson you said that you are going to spend time teaching pastors how to write a better introduction yeah all right so i'm going to give you an introduction and you tell me where i went wrong would you like to pick a text for me Sure. Uh, Romans 1 16. Romans 1 16. What's Romans 1 16? <laughs> no, 23. What's 16? For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for I it is the power that. of God Hold unto on. salvation. Let me, I'm buying myself time here. Todd, that's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Okay. By the way, I just heard a little bit of an exegesis on that particular text. It yeah. is, I, and I heard it phrased so loverly by Doctor Milton Vincent. He said it is the power. So, if you are looking for the densest expression of God's power, it is found in the Gospel. That's that's good. That's good writing right there. That is All right. That All right. is so. For I am not ashamed of the God. Here's okay, everybody. Um, <laughs> hey, look, I know you want to get out of here because uh, the twins are playing <laughs> this afternoon, and you know the traffic out on ninety four. It is a killer. Isn't it? So speaking of a killer, have you, ever, <laughs> have you ever gone out to go to the grocery store and you're walking into Cub Foods? Um, I'm contextualizing this for people in Minnesota on AM nine eighty KKMS, and you go into the Cub Store and you realize you're still wearing your house slippers. How embarrassing is that? If you take a look at Romans 116, you're gonna see that Paul was never ashamed of the gospel. Huh? How'd I do? <laughs> Better than I thought you would do.
1: <laughs> wow! Yeah, <laughs> no, Todd, uh, you need to come to my conference. And <laughs> no, what did and, seriously? What and, did I do wrong? Yeah, your ministry would take off if you would just come to the conference. No, it, yeah, no,
2: pastors the, are making a fortune on openings like that.
1: I mean, really, that just reeks to the high, high heavens. A, a good introduction. You you have to show the relevance of what we're about to look at in this passage. Uh, you, you need to sell the congregation that this is so important, what we're going to be looking at today, and explain to them why this is so important. At the same time, you've got to capture their interest. And so you can start with uh, an illustration. You can start with a quote. You can start with a strong opening sentence. You can start with the historical background where Paul was as he wrote this. Uh, you can start in any number of ways to draw in the listener, and it has to be connected to the message. Like what you just did had no connection with anything. It had the
2: word in, embarrassed, ashamed. See what I did there?
1: It's the wounds of a friend, Todd. I'm I'm uh, I'm speaking to you as one who loves you. Um, <laughs> And then you orient the listener to what we're going to be looking at and and to show them um, really what will be said. And you, you need to state what is the, the big idea, what is the main thrust, the central purpose uh, of this passage of Scripture so everyone knows where we're going. And I want to hear it.
2: And Todd, let me say one more thing. You can't because a good <laughs> preacher knows when to wrap it up. Okay. And I'm looking at my clock and you're wrapping it up. But here's what we're going to do. You're going to get your one thing and you are going to have a couple of minutes to put together your opening. What was that passage? Roman something? Yeah. You're going to put together your opening and how it might be done better. Onepassion.org. Pastor, please attend one of these two amazing events. Don't forget the keyword Wretched. Onepassion.org. We will be back with the tireless Dr. Stephen J. Lawson next on Wretched Radio. You're familiar with this sound, you're sitting in church, your pastor is preaching, you have your John MacArthur Study Bible open, the pastor is reading the scripture, and all of a sudden you hear everybody in church turning the page because they all have the same MacArthur Study Bible. Why? Because it is so helpful to be able to read study notes underneath the verses to really grasp what God's Word is trying to teach. How would you like to share the joy of putting a John MacArthur Study Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. They typically make about $12 to $15 per, not hour, per day. It's a luxury item, and it would be such a blessing. $25 a Bible, four Bibles, $100, or perhaps you could send a Bible to a brother or sister in the Philippines every single month. Would you please consider doing that to bring joy to
3: our brothers and sisters? Wretched.org slash Bible. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. First of all, I want to say a huge thank you to all of you who enjoy our resources and listen to our programs. It's because of folks like you that we can continue to share the gospel far and wide. We know you're no stranger to our store at wretched.org, and for that, we are truly grateful. Have you ever prayerfully considered becoming an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel partner? Look, no pressure. It's just an amazing way that we can together share the life-changing message of our Lord Jesus Christ. And let's be honest honest. Who doesn't want to be a part of that? You don't have to worry about your money or where it goes because we're members of the ECFA, which means we couldn't waste your money even if we wanted to, but we don't want to. In fact, 83% of every dollar you give goes directly to ministry. That is a verifiable fact. So if you're ready to jump on board, just visit wretched.org donate or text the word wretched to the number 44321. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel.
0: The Gospel is present throughout all of Scripture, beginning with the book of Genesis. Immediately after the fall, God promises a Messiah who will crush the head of the serpent. Even in the Garden of Eden, God was preparing the means of our salvation through Jesus Christ. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Hey, did you ever discover
2: that today is the birthday of a friend and you bump into him at a restaurant and you're just like, so ashamed welcome to wretched radio and my second attempt at a strong sermon opening for romans 116 dr stephen j lawson did i do better with my introduction for i am not ashamed of the gospel of christ well you did better
1: in that you didn't talk as long that's true Uh It was a shorter introduction. It was a smaller porch to to what will be a large house. Uh, <laughs> so content wise, quality wise, I, I would
2: keep the grade at the same level. So I, I, I bombed. If I went to your seminar, you would help me. He is presenting two great preaching seminars. Oklahoma City, Washington, D.C., august visit onepassion.org spend three days with stephen lawson and you will preach better and you will be exhausted i (laughs) promise you don't forget use the keyword wretched so that you can pay under a hundred dollars for this and you'll get drive by theology we just we're trying to do everything we can to get you there sir because the pulpit is crucial and if you are a shepherd you're, you're not you're not a, a huckster. You are a shepherd. You're not a hired hand. You want to get better. I, I promise you, Steve will give you your money back personally if you do not benefit. Did I read that right? You're going to give him the money back out of your own wallet? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I actually would feel confident about that. You will learn so much stuff like how to create a better introduction to Romans 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation for all those who believe. All right, you've had enough time, sir. What would your introduction be that did all of those aforementioned elements?
1: R.C. Sproul was the greatest theologian of this past generation who brought Reformed theology out of the ivory tower into, into the pew. And before he became a pastor, he was a professor in seminary, and he would begin every semester by asking his seminary students this one question. What is the gospel? He told me he was shocked at how few, even seminary students, could give a clear, concise answer to what is the gospel. And so let me ask you this question. If you were, if someone walked up to you on the street today and said, I'd like to become a Christian, can you tell me what the gospel is? What would you say? Could you go straight to the point? Could you bring it down to the essentials of what the gospel is? Well, that is what Paul is addressing in this passage. And I cannot think of a more practical and needed, Uh, text for us to look at today than what we're going to be looking at here. And for some of you, you've not yet committed your life to Christ, and you need to understand what it is to believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So whether you're a Christian, whether you're not a Christian, this message has your name written on it, and this passage speaking directly to you. And so I want you to open your Bible now and I want to read this passage. And this is what we're going to look at today. And this could be the most life-changing moment
2: of your life. Okay, that's now you get into, you bump into a friend in the restaurant and it's his birthday and you're embarrassed. Is that where this comes in now? (laughs) Am I not paying attention? All right, now I want to ask you a question, preacher, teacher. When you were formulating this, Obviously you didn't write this down in advance. I was kind of watching your brain turn. I was yeah. I think I think I was watching you trying to check the box. Okay, does it have this? What was what was going through your noggin like, ooh, I haven't quite done this chore in the introduction yet?
1: Well, obviously if I'd had time to think about it, I, I my words would have been tighter. Uh I write out my introductions. I, I don't necessarily read them. But I don't want to get up and start rambling. And I don't want to just like spontaneously uh start talking. If you have a a slow start, it usually leads to a slow message. If you have a strong beginning, it usually leads to a strong message. Mm. And so I, I think most pastors when they get up, I mean, hey, how y'all doing? It's good to see you today. Uh it's been a long week and it's just this chit chat stuff that trivializes what's about to follow, and they're so desperately wanting to connect with everybody that they've lost sight, that that's not your your, uh, priority. It's for them to be connected, not to you, but to be connected to this passage of Scripture and what is being addressed by God here. So in my own mind, I would have made it tighter, and I would have given more thought as to the relevance of this passage, why you so desperately need to hear this. I might have even given just an overview. As we look at this passage, there are going to be four compelling truths that I want to set in front of you. And, 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 And to give them that very quickly, I'm more likely to get in your car and let you drive me if you tell me where we're going. And so if you will, at, at towards the end of the introduction, and this is what Spurgeon did in his preaching, he, he would announce where we're going with this message and even give uh, the skeleton outline. And every time I do that, as soon as I say, we're going to look at this passage, I'm going to show you four things, people start scrambling for paper, a pen, ladies, Because it's it's
2: going to be organized for them.
1: There's going to be structure. It's going to be easy to follow. You're going to be able to remember this. So structure is critically important
2: in, in preaching. Okay. So you know what I'm thinking right now? Regrets. I have a few. You won't remember this, but one of the worst days of my life involved you, Dr. Stephen J. Lawson. Oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> one of the worst days? Yeah. You usually have your best days with no, me. No, no, no. And I'm going to tell you why. And everybody who's a preacher is going to go, yep, I get that for real. We were at Bob Jones University together. Yeah. Remember with sermon audio, we were doing the yeah. conference together. Yeah, yeah. And I was about to preach. I was two minutes away. No Stephen J. Lawson in sight. And you came marching down that aisle and my (laughs) guts just flip-flopped. Oh, good. So now I'm thinking about that sermon and how I could have done that introduction better.
1: You did so well that day, Todd. Mm -hmm. You were were very well organized. It was structured. It was easy to follow. It
2: was compelling. It was clear. It was concise. Biffed it on the intro. I Uh, biffed it on the intro. Yeah. So I'm learning stuff from you. And this is I'm sorry, but this is a good example of what people are good. It's like, oh, thinking about the introduction better. If it's got to be compelling, it's got to give people a forward vision. It's got to have some urgency. I think that's what I was lacking was the urgency. Why you need to listen to this. I should have added. Would you like the evangelistic success of the Apostle Paul? Listen up. We're going to discover how Paul himself shared the gospel And if we do likewise, perhaps the Lord will bless it and you will see your loved one saved. See there? Look at how much better that could have been.
1: That makes me want to like sit up straight. That makes me want to lean forward and to hear what you
2: have to say. See, worth the price of admission alone right there. With Dr. Stephen J. Lawson, OnePassion.org. Please, dear pastor. Please join Stephen Lawson for three days. You will be so blessed and you will be able to sit and think about your own sermons like I just had to do. And you're going to realize where you could tighten things up and sharpen things up and feed your flock better. That's what this is all about. It isn't just becoming a better orator. It is that the sheep would be fed better. All right. So, Dr. Lawson, Washington, D.C. Okay, I get that. Oklahoma City, what was that about?
1: Well, <laughs> Oklahoma City, uh, I was actually born in Oklahoma City. Oh, I love and, Oklahoma. <clears throat> oh,
2: oh, gee, yeah. that's
1: what I'm saying. Yeah. And, and so I'm sure we'll take a historic tour to see the plaques uh, at the hospital where I was born. Oh, sure. Uh, some very personal insights uh, where I was raised. So think of, think of really, it's like being on a page of church history uh, <laughs> to kind of, to <laughs> kind of, kind of, of Oklahoma, Oklahoma City.
2: City. <laughs> it's it's more than just an expositor's conference. It is a tour <laughs> of the life of Dr. Stephen J. Lawson. So grateful that you do this, sir. Need to give everybody a heads up. This offer ends May 25th, right? Because I think the prices of the tickets go up. Yes, so, absolutely. so make your plans, make your arrangements and get yourself to onepassion.org where you can register for either of those two events. And if you really want to become a good preacher, go to both. Okay, one would be just fine and you'll get $49 and 1 cent off which means it's 99.99 for you to attend 3 days and okay plug your ears for a moment with the best of the best to have the individual who's the professor of homiletics at Master Sem teach you personally for 3 days 99.99 Any true born-again Christian will take advantage of such an offer. You can do that at OnePassion.org. Don't forget, we'll also send you drive-by theology. Dr. Lawson, thank you for making me feel miserable about my sermon. (laughs) Hope tons of people attend OnePassion.org.
3: This is Wretched Radio. it's now time for a wretched news break here on wretched radio i'm jimmy hicks first up a controversial bill coming out of illinois that's been compared to a bad comedy sketch, but sadly it's all too real. The state's passed a law essentially shielding what critics are calling child sexual grooming in public and school libraries. It seems like there's a bit of an identity crisis in Illinois, I mean, what's next? Lions guarding gazelles? Meanwhile, up north, in what could be a plot from a dystopian novel, some Canadian academics have proposed euthanasia as a solution for the poor. That's right, and instead of finding ways to, I don't know, alleviate poverty, they're suggesting a one-way ticket off the planet. I wonder if they know that poverty isn't contagious. And in the realm of relationships, recent data shows that couples who cohabitate before marriage have a higher chance of divorce. <laughs> it's almost as if there's some wisdom in old traditions. Who would have thought? And in a move that seems... Well, you determine what this seems. Westland University has decided to fund student abortions following pressure from a socialist group. Yeah, I guess the cost of it is included per credit hour. I'm not real sure how that works, but I can't help but think they could have invested their money in, I don't know, education maybe? Meanwhile, Kansas City, Missouri is seeking to become an LGBT sanctuary city in defiance of state laws protecting children from sex-changed surgeries. I think they're confusing the word sanctuary with laboratory, but... Anyway, that's neither here nor there. In Ohio, a federal lawsuit has revealed that an Ohio school district is punishing students for, get this, misgendering trans students, oh, that's not all, even within the privacy of their own homes. That's right, you in the privacy of your own home make a comment, whether it's socially acceptable or not, your school district is angling to punish you for doing so. My question is, how do they hear what you're saying in your home? In a heartwarming turn of events, a mother who was recently labeled inhumane for refusing to abort her supposedly disabled twins gave birth to two healthy babies. Yeah, well, that doctor's crystal ball apparently needs some polishing. And in the world of media, great American media has announced an upcoming merger with DoorFlix, which potentially boosts family-centric content. Always refreshing to see family values making the headlines, because it's not often we see that. Finally, federal courts have ruled that California cannot force churches to pay for abortions. Now, that's one of those stories that's both encouraging and a bit surprising because it's California after all. And that has been your Wretched News Break for today. More Wretched Radio straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks.
0: Names of God. We learn a lot about God from the names given to Him in Scripture. One name is Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. The fall brought conflict into the world, but through Christ, God has brought peace into the world. Peace with God, peace with man, and peace with self. True peace is only known in Christ. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Tell me what's the word, the word of?
3: I was being sarcastic, which is another big word you'll learn in school.
0: What's the word on the street?
2: <laughs> Anna, can, 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 can. Anna Anna. Ayahushta. What's the name of that vitamin you're taking? This is Wretched Radio. What
3: is Ayahushta? Asha washer. I should remember I started taking it. <laughs> Mrs.
2: Friel had some in the cupboard. I went, all right, I'll start popping those. Those things are horse pills. They
3: are huge.
2: It kind of tipped my, I take a fistful of vitamins in the morning. Not a crazy amount, but like the vitamin D and a multivit, you know, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's a limit to how many you can put in your mouth at one time and swallow them. <laughs> That's right. Here's the, Now here's the trick. Friel, we didn't ask. Nevertheless, here's the trick. When you wake up in the morning, I have understood that one of the best things you can do for yourself is just guzzle a ton of water. So I do. I fill up my big old coffee mug in anticipation of what's brewing in the pot. And I fill it up with water and I take my fistful of vitamins, put them in my mouth, and then I start drinking the water. But you got to drink, get the water down first. Because if you let the pills lead the way, ho ho ho. It's, it's sort of like being a congregational led church <laughs> you got the wrong folks leading the point is you got to get the water you got to lube the chute if you will i think that's the medical term for it and i think um, while even while i'm doing that the ashawasha hanagunda that that <laughs> elephant pill <laughs> It's just just a little too much to guzzle in one big shot, and it's supposed to help your memory. Well, how come I can't recall the name of this vitamin (laughs) if it's so good for the noodle up above? Today's special word is anagogical. That's right. I said it. Anagogical. It is a form of interpreting the Bible. Did you know that historically, we Christians haven't always agreed on how we are to read our holy book? Do I think we have it right today? Yes. Yes, I do. But I I will say this, without, without backing down on my earnest belief and confidence that we have a correct interpretive mo- model in the grammatical historical hermeneutic, Nevertheless, it is a really good reminder that as we go about the business of talking about the saints who came before us in different centuries and how their understanding of how to read the Bible isn't quite what we think it should be, that in 500 years, people might be talking about us like that. Ah! Ah! What do you mean? I didn't have something right. (laughs) Oh, wowza. So with that perhaps humbling thought in mind, let us go back in time and study The history of hermeneutics. That's right. The art and science of interpreting scripture. In case you're interested in the grammatical historical approach, we do have a resource. It is entitled Herman Who, available at wretched.org. Let's start with Jewish interpretation. Jewish interpreters, they wanted to apply the Hebrew scriptures. That's cool. But they would go with some literal interpretation. They'd use allegory they'd use typology, and rabbinical techniques. And I have to tell you, the Jewish way of interpreting the Bible, it is brilliantly wrong. I mean, it's so fast. It's like, dude, that's so smart. It's totally wrong, but it's so smart how you do that. I don't know that Jewish interpretation has as defined a hermeneutic as we do today, but let's fast forward to early Christian interpretation, of course, the early Christians, a lot of whom were Jewish converts, they would adopt some of the Jewish interpretive practices, but early Christian interpreters, the church fathers, they came up with more allegory, lots of allegory, typology, I'm okay with typology, and moral interpretation, seeking to find Christological and moral teachings in the Old Testament. The Christological approach, there is very much to be said for it. And yet, as is always the case, you can swing into a ditch. The Christological approach says Jesus is all over the Bible. Now, some Christological approaches would say, no, no, he's in every verse. Well, every verse can get you to Jesus, but that doesn't mean that he's in every single verse. Go ahead and just read some of the Mosaic laws. And you would say well but then then the 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 criminal is sort of like the thief on the cross and the stoning was the punishment that you're supposed to receive in hell okay well that would be an allegorical approach but the christological approach would say that jesus some in the christological camp would say that jesus is in every verse I don't think he's in every verse, but when you look at the Levitical laws, what do they do? They're a schoolmaster to do what? Bring us to Christ, that we have one who fulfilled all those laws. You and I can't keep those rules, those dietary laws. Try as you might, and wow, Jewish people sure do try, don't they? We just can't do it, but Jesus did. We have one who is just plain better than us who lived the life we couldn't, died the death we don't want to. And yet, we look back at those verses recognizing they're a mirror that tells us we are in such big trouble, and they do ultimately point us to Christ, but they're not specifically about Christ. But having said that, the Christological approach, it is crucial. We are Christians. And that means when we read the Bible we should always have our mind on Christ. Where is he here? How does this verse teach me more about my savior so that I can appreciate him more and love him more. Got to tell you. We're going to do this one of these days. Maybe ne- maybe next week we'll give this a run. I I'm listening to Milton Vincent. At Cornerstone Fellowship Bible Assembly Community Church. What do they call that thing out there? It's <laughs> Cornerstone Community Bible Riverside Fellowship Assembly Church. I think that's it. It's a very big sign. Business cards are the size of a legal pad, but he's preaching through the Gospel of John. And every sermon that I hear from this man, you can tell his heart. You can you know that his affections are on Christ. You know it because that's how he talks about Jesus. And he tries to lead those who are listening to him to love Jesus too. You can just tell. Why? Because he's Christological. He's trying to remember Christ in the text and not just to teach us the correct Christological understanding of the second person of the Trinity, but so that we would love the good shepherd. That is the aim, in my opinion, of all good preaching and in really good Bible reading. There's an, maybe if you've never studied hermeneutics before, you, you, you start dipping your toe into it and you realize, okay, there's a lot of things to think about. This is a bit overwhelming. Don't panic. Just keep learning and it will seep into your noggin and you're just gonna do it like a doctor who has removed a thousand appendixes, appendices. No, that's something completely different. Appendixes, he just does it because he has done it so much. So just keep following grammatical historical, remembering that even our grammatical historical wants to lead us to Christ. So in a sense, you've got, Christological hermeneutics in there. And as you read your Bible, you're just going to have those things floating around and you are going to more naturally and rightly find Christ where he is. And if he isn't in a particular verse, you're going to be thinking, so why is this section of scripture in the Bible? Because if Jesus is right, and he always is, when he said to the Pharisees, you read the laws of Moses because you think, but I'm telling you, He wrote about me. That's what Moses was writing. So we need to rightly find him there without becoming Christological where he's hiding underneath every single verb or every single rock. Furthermore, we want to make sure that we do not adopt an anagogical approach. You say, what is an anagogical approach? I say it's different than allegorical. Allegorical is taking a person, place, or thing from the Old Testament and saying that this is actually that. So Eve is actually Mary. You say, that sort of sounds like typology. No, typology is different because the New Testament says that back there is actually a picture of this. Allegorical basically takes typology, typological interpretation, and puts it on steroids, but then you've got the anagogical, which actually goes back to about the second century. Guys like Origen, 200s, mid-200s, give or take, that scripture had three different levels to it, literal, moral, and spiritual. As the Middle Ages approached, we started looking for mystical, heavenly meetings. So guys like Thomas Aquinas, They went about the business of trying to find some sort of mystical tradition, which they also have, by the way, in Jewish Kabbalah, Islamic Sufism. We have Christian mystics. How do they interpret the Bible? Anagogically. Go ahead, just turn to the person next to you and say, I'm never gonna turn to the person next to me and say what the preacher just told me to say. Just go ahead and do that right now. What is the problem with anagogical, and how should we be reading our holy book next on Wretched Radio? I know how you're feeling at the thought of switching from traditional health insurance to MediShare, which is affordable biblical health sharing that's a big decision and it can be kind of scary which is why mrs Friel and i researched metashare and determined yeah we can trust this ministry christians paying for the health needs of other christians it's a magnificent ministry 98 percent member satisfaction rate it's amazing the average family saves $500 per month if that sounds intriguing and I hope it does please do your research visit metasharecom Wretched metasharecom Wretched or call them and talk to a really nice person at 844-34-BIBLE 844 bible 844
3: bible You know, what used to be a movie is now a sad reality we're living in a world that's gone absolutely bonkers. So much so that six mads just aren't enough to describe it. Social media may be bombarding us left and right. Our Christian worldview may be under assault, but we have the dynamic duo of Todd Friel and Dr. Nathan Buznitz, and they're coming to the rescue with Wretched Worldview 2, tackling 22 of those pesky, thorny, contemporary issues through a biblical lens, helping us to defend the biblical view on things like sexuality and gender, critical race theory, modest and apparel persecution secular entertainment environmentalism 22 issues to be exact so what are you waiting for head on over to wretched.org grab your copy of wretched worldview Two, and hey while you're there snag that study guide tune because it's the perfect companion for navigating this mad 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 world with wisdom and grace
2: busy, busy, busy. Last year, Preborn Ministries provided over 92,000 ultrasounds, 54,000 babies were saved, 69 ultrasound machines were placed, 10,000 people responded to the gospel. Preborn Ministries, with trained specialists which is why the success rates are so staggeringly high at saving lives with preborn please consider supporting preborn at preborn.org/wretch and
0: slash wretched attributes of god god is incomprehensible Finite humans cannot fully comprehend the One who created everything. Yet He has revealed Himself in the Bible, and while we cannot know Him exhaustively, we can know what is true about Him. And once we are reconciled through Christ, we will never stop learning about Him. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
2: Loser! You're listening to a Jumbo Loser. Frio, we knew that. This is Wretched Radio. Here we are talking about how to read the Bible. Oh, the shame. I need some sackcloth and some ashes to repent for not talking about our Bible distribution program in the Philippines. Not only (laughs) are we desiring to send them Bibles, MacArthur Study Bibles, which, by the way, the footnotes do use a grammatical historical interpretive model, we would like to send ten thousand. Y'all have been outstanding. We're really close. I think we've got like maybe we're we're eighty percent of the way there, something like that. Eighty percent of the way toward our goal. And the reason that we actually have a goal and we've actually gotta hit it, Lord willing, because we have to order that many to get them at the right price. We we've got to get them printed a certain way because of the humidity in the Philippines. So we're at about 8,000 Bibles. Mm, If you want to send a MacArthur study Bible to a believer in the Philippines, and might I just do perhaps a custom shout out. If you maybe could send a lot of Bibles, oh, we would just rejoice. We want to deliver them this fall. Then there's there's going to be some conferences that are taking place, and we want to distribute them there because it, it keeps the cost down by giving them to the pastors when they come to a conference, and then they bring the cases back to their congregations and distribute them. So we are doing this as efficiently as we possibly can, but we sure could use your help in pushing us over the ledge. That doesn't sound like the right illustration. Simply visit retcha.org slash Bible, slash a Bible as we consider, how should we read that book? Well, I would ask you a question because there are so many different interpretive models that we've seen throughout the course of time. I'm fairly firmly convinced grammatical historical is the correct way to read the Bible, not allegorically, not anagogically, not even exclusively, if you will, Christologically. Instead, we want to read that book the way the original audience would have understood it. No more and no less. Not hidden meanings not mystical or heavenly meanings. That's anagogical. When you think mystical, think anagogical. When you think some sort of, oh, I didn't know that that was in an- whoa, you're probably dealing with allegorical or anagogical. How would you like to be understood when when you write letters or anything for that matter? When you send an email, how do you want to be understood? And you would answer the way that I intended to communicate. Bingo. What did the original author intend to write and communicate to the original audience? Then we understand it that way now it gets a little bit challenging because you know we're about 20 centuries removed from them so we've got to study the history the context of what is going on because we've got to walk as much as we can in the sandals of the first century believers who received those tr- those transmissions of information from inspired writers and so we practice grammatical historical interpretive Practices. What's the grammar? What was going on? There's the meaning right there. It's that simple and yet that complex, also. If you'd like to learn how to do that more, Herman Who available at wretched.org. Good. I'm glad I got that in. Otherwise, it'd be more sackcloth and ashes for me. (laughs) How did people interpret the Bible before the Reformation and after? the reformation. Well, it's interesting because if you read the reformers, you'll notice a transition. They did move from a very heavy allegorical and anagogical approach into more of, not exclusively, but more of a grammatical historative motif. And that means that preaching changed too. I mean, there were other considerations of the 16th century that forced people to preach differently because of what was going on in the Roman Catholic Church. But it does raise a question, and even if it doesn't, I'm going to raise it anyway. What was preaching like before the Reformation? Can you imagine being a Christian in 1842? How's about, well, that's not before the Reformation for you. How's about 842? We have brothers and sisters who lived then. What was it like to sit in a church and hear a sermon? For your consideration, the history of preaching, this is a generalization, prior to the Protestant Reformation, oodles of allegorical interpretation, all kinds of hidden spiritual meanings within the text, focusing on moralisms, do, 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 get it done, 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 act a certain way. Once again, I'm telling you, I can't help it. I'm thinking about Milton Vincent again. He, okay, 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 all right. Okay. Even though, might share parts of this sermon, even though Milton Vincent was trying to feed the sheep so that they would love the Lord more, it still had conviction. But listen to how the way he framed the conviction. Prior to the Reformation, it would just be that scolding, finger pointing, stop thinking, stop doing, stop living, just very, just moral demands. Milton Vincent was talking about the good shepherd, and he was talking about, in the first century, that there would be pens with walls, but no roof. And so the hired hands, of course, they could climb over the wall and they would steal the sheep. But the good the uh, the good shepherd doesn't do that. He goes through the door, he goes through the gate, and of course we know that Jesus was also the door. Besides the good shepherd, and what does he do? He puts the sheep inside of the fold, inside of the pen, and he closes the gate so that they would be safe. But because Jesus boldly identified himself as the good shepherd of Psalm twenty three. The sheep they come and they go. They 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 they're safe with Jesus. They're they're safe if you will in the enclosure, but Jesus the door also opens it up and leads them out to green pastures. The green pastures that he knows are best for the sheep that he actually loves. And then Milton Vincent said this. So you know when you think about it Every time we disobey our shepherd, we're actually thinking that we prepare better pastures than he does. Isn't that crazy that we would do that? Now, that's convicting. I felt convicted by that. That's what we're doing. When we sin, you and I say, My way's better than yours, Lord. Wow. How foolish are we when we've got a good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. It was such a good... Ser- for, okay, here's, here's an illustration of understanding the history. A hired hand, a false teacher who comes in to steal the sheep, he was identifying the Pharisees as that. The hired hand had some rules about wolf attacks. If one wolf attacks, you gotta, you've got to defend the sheep. No excuse. But if two or more wolves attack, it's okay. You can skedaddle and save your hide. Because you're just a hired hand, A good shepherd never does that. He lays down his life for the sheep. Why would we want to go frolic in our pastures? Haven't we learned yet that they never satisfy? Now, wow, did it sound like a scold? No, but it was. It was convicting preaching without it being like it probably was. Prior to the Reformation, Latin was the lingua franca. So you sat there and you didn't understand a word that was being said because sermons were actually delivered in Latin. In fact, the priests probably didn't know what they said. Moralisms, 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 virtues and vices, obedience, especially to religious authority. And these these sermons, they would control. They would terrorize, they would frighten, and they would put the church as the mediator between God and man. That was preaching prior to the Reformation. That was, that was, that was, that was what it was like to be a believer prior to the time when men like Martin Luther, Zwingli, Knox, Calvin, those, those great men decided wait a second this 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 book needs to be brought down into the pews and it needs to be understood in the vernacular of the peasantry and so they strived to get the 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 bible into the language of the people so that it could be preached in the language of the people so that people could understand it wow what a blessing it is to live today isn't it And what a blessing it is to look back over church history and go, okay, that's how we've progressed until here. So perhaps the moral to this entire historical story is let's remember the lessons to be learned. Let's glean the good stuff, reject the bad stuff. But could we perhaps all agree that when it comes to reading the Bible, that when it comes to preaching, there should be one glorious end each and every time. And that, of course, is the Good Shepherd. That should always be our conclusion. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.